Hello everyone, I'm Tori. And I'm Kariana. And welcome to God and All Things. Today we're going to be discussing Mockingjay, part three of Hunger Games, which is very exciting. Um, kind of sad, but we'll be continuing with Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes soon, so that will be really great. Let's start off, of course, with a summary, see where we're going after Catching Fire, and then we'll, of course, talk about personal experiences. So, after the events of Catching Fire, Katniss suffers from both trauma and depression. However, her work is far from over as she attempts to inspire those in the districts to fight for their freedoms. She finds a way to set her feelings aside for a time, but Peta is still being held in the capital. Can she ever free him? Will the rebels win? And who could die in the process? And unfortunately, the answer is quite a few people. Quite a few. So, um, personal experiences. I mean, we have talked about general um, Hunger Games stuff before, but specifically with Mockingjay, I took a little bit longer to read this one meaning it took me a week where the others took me like a day each. <laughs> so not by much, but I think it was a little slower. And then I know a lot of people complain about the ending being kind of fast and like the pacing being a little off. I didn't really remember feeling that way when I read it the first time, but reading it this time, I definitely could see what people were saying. Like it just felt like the last 20 pages or so were just kind of like, okay, and then this happened and this happened and it was just wrapped up in a bow Hmm. instead of really dwelling in a lot of the emotion and stuff involved, um, which is too bad. But I feel like they do a pretty good job in the movies doing that. And I also feel like the book itself, while the pacing was weird, I feel like it still wrapped things up in a way that I liked as far as how they did it. So how Suzanne Collins did it. So, Okay. So there's been some question on whether or not I've read this book before. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> After reading it, I think the verdict is that I have read it before. <laughs> I am like 98% positive because there were certain things that happened that I was like, yeah, no, I should be more surprised by this, but, like, I saw this coming or this makes sense to me and, like, mm-hmm. like I could kind of, yeah, I, I gathered things. So so I'm pretty sure that I've read it. I definitely haven't seen the movies, so we need mm-hmm. to watch the movies, but yes. we'll do that mm-hmm. um, at a later date. I mean, I loved it. I loved it just as much as Hunger Games. I don't know. It, uh, it It's a lot. It's a lot. I am known for not loving emotional and tragic things <laughs> because I just uh I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before but my dad put it great a little while back and I didn't realize that he related to me in this way until one day he said I think you're just like me and that you're so good at putting yourself in the story mm. he was like when when we're reading things or watching something we act, we like imagine being there, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like feeling for this person. It's feeling the feelings of that person. And I was like, yeah. And it took me a second to kind of differentiate the fact that most people don't talk that way. And that is exactly how I feel. Yeah. Like, so when somebody dies, it's not like, it's like the tragedy of being there. And an individual person dying isn't as traumatic as the rebellion as a whole. And mm-hmm. so that's what I really struggled with in terms of tragedy was it, the end. I think it's well written. I'm not complaining about mm-hmm. the quality of it at all in terms of like Haymitch's ending and mm-hmm. Katniss and Peta, right? It's just hard to swallow for me because I just imagine this generation, these generations of lives ruined and like the purposeless 
the purposelessness of life and how, I mean, they have to create this like half-life full of trauma and flashbacks and triggering moments and Mm -hmm. fear of living at all moments. And it makes me feel this like overwhelming, oppressive sense of what is the point of humanity. (laughs) And um, I thought a lot about that. And ultimately the point is continuing forward. They Mm -hmm. fought and died and suffer. And so many people don't have died and lost their lives and lost their lives and remain alive so that the new generations can continue to live better than they did and the generations before them. And so I recognize that, but it took me a while to be able to like bring that kind of spark of hope and joy into the whole idea of these people's lives just being so utterly traumatic and awful, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I enjoyed the book. It was really hard for me. I wouldn't ever read it again. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because like, it's just too much. It's just too much. I'm guessing I'll feel the same way at the end of the movies too. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. awesome. I'll um, watch those in like 15 years when I've forgotten about them. And I can handle it again. Sorry, I will say that The movies make it feel a little lighter at the okay, end. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a little not, happier. <laughs> it's because I mean the books. It's her internal dialogue, and right. so it's going to be what's exactly in her head. Whereas the movies are able to show what's happening on the outside, which it explores that in the book. But like it's different when you're watching a movie and seeing them playing with their kids, right? And like being together and, and being that's what happy I, I together. I try to imagine that in my head. But... Hearing Katniss talk about you know like I still struggle so much and. Like, there's a little bit of a disconnect when she is talking about her family because right. there's still that part of her that is lost everything. And so when you're reading it from her perspective, you feel all of those emotions more than whereas in the movies they can't convey that internal dialogue quite as well. Right. They do their best and I think they do a good job making it clear, like, it's not over, but it doesn't feel as heavy right. as it does in the book. Like, when I was reading it, I was like, because I've seen the movies plenty and so I remember them pretty well. And I remember being like, oh, this feels a lot more depressing in the book than in the movie. But it's not like they changed anything. It's the right. same thing, no, just the it. way yeah. it's portrayed and stuff. And they have brighter colors and a beautiful right. music and stuff. So it's not like it's like suddenly a super happy ending, but it does focus more on the you happy see the joy of, of life. It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I ultimately had to imagine to myself to, like, move on and get over Mm -hmm. it a little bit. was like, no, they're struggling and life is hard, but they have kids and they have, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just living their lives the same way the rest of us do. And they deal with, you know, nightmares every night, but then she wakes up and gets to play with her children and go hunting and trade with greasy say you know there are people who have lasted Mm -hmm. as well and who she does still have and so that's kind of what I've used to like make it better but it's it but it took me it took me a while after finishing Mm -hmm. it to not just feel like this dull sense of heartbreak that hurts so bad that (laughs) like my emotions were just trying to cover it up which Mm -hmm. is why I didn't cry probably because it was just I think I reach a point of so much, Mm -hmm. yeah, so much, like, trauma that my mind is like, no, we can't actually handle feeling all of this. Like, we just have to, like, bridge over it. (laughs) And I, there are a few stories, there are a few stories in different types of media where that happens with, and it's really hard for me to enjoy them because I just can't feel 
any emotion about it. It's just like hurt mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and bad, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, as an author, I, I commend Suzanne Collins for creating a story so real and and, and incredibly yeah. told to, to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I think of all the fiction books that I've read where war is involved, which admittedly isn't like a ton, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like she brings to life the reality of war very well mm-hmm. in, her, in these books. There's like, no just, holds back. That's yeah, for sure. She's like, you know, it's just, and I mean, the whole thing is anti-war, like it's <laughs> against the violence and right. stuff. And so... I think she does a great job of bringing that to life of, like, the death, the loss, yes, which a lot of films and books bring to life, of course, but also the internal aspects of it she does really well with, so. Anyway, all that being said, (laughs) our gospel principle, our light in the darkness, so to speak, and we've decided to talk about is the law of consecration, so I'll have Kariana introduce that a little bit to us. Yeah, just a a short, sweet definition, um, mostly because I was like, I don't know what else to say, this is just the law of consecration, Um, so we we've just been we've been taught that the law of consecration is the giving of our time talents and everything else that the lord has blessed us with to the building up of the kingdom of god on the earth and i think in relation to this a lot of what katniss is doing is playing her part her part in building up a sort of zion a sort of not quite kingdom of god obviously because it's not being run by god right um it's still men but an idea of zion where everybody's treated equally and kindly and with respect and are given the what they need to live and all of that and so it will be really interesting to discuss this i was mentioning to kariana earlier that i feel like katniss has a lot of moments where she shows consecration and a lot of other characters do too but she's not constantly living the law of consecration she just has moments of it which i think is just very realistic like we're never going to be in a position where we are constantly living the law of consecration because we're just imperfect beings and we're going to be focused on focused on things we shouldn't be focused on we're going to be focused more internally than we should be in order to be consecrated and that's perfectly normal what we want though is to increase the amount of moments that we're living that law better and better so let's get right into this so we start off with Katniss wandering around district 12 so if we remember from the end of the last book the capital sent in hovercrafts and bombed district 12 just completely obliterated it and so Katniss is seeing it for the first time and during this walk around she's filling the reader in on everything that's kind of happened and where her mind's at right now a lot of that being that she is being asked to be the mockingjay being asked to be this the face of this rebellion but she's still struggling a lot with the fact that Peta is in the capital and is trapped and who knows what's happening to him Um, but it's not going to be anything good for sure one thing she says that i think is very telling about where her mindset is at the beginning of this Well, first she says, still I hate them, meaning the authorities of 13, but of course I hate almost everybody now, myself more than anyone. She's just really struggling with everything that's happened for obvious reasons. It's very traumatic. And she's sitting there contemplating what exactly she's going to do. She even says out loud, what am I going to do? She says or thinks, the symbol of the revolution, the Mockingjay, it isn't enough what I've done in the past, defying the capital in the games, providing a rallying point. I must now become the actual leader, the face, the voice, the embodiment of the revolution. 
all I have to do is play my part. And I, that's exactly what consecration is, is, you know, there's that feeling of it's never enough because consecration is about ultimately putting your whole self into something. And like I said, you can have moments of that, but you're never going to be a hundred percent on that level in this life. But that's part of why we have Christ (laughs) to make it possible for us to achieve that eventually. But I love that we have this moment at the very beginning where she's thinking about what it actually means to be the Mockingjay, that it means giving everything she has, more than she's given before, which is so much, more probably than almost anybody else involved in this whole thing. She's given so much and she realizes it's not enough. She still has to give more. And so she's contemplating whether that's worth it to her or not. And I think the reasons why she does it and throughout the book, it kind of changes back and forth between different reasons. That's what means the law of consecration. That's what showcases that she's living it is dependent on why she's doing these things. I don't know if that made sense, but basically whatever the reason, sometimes it's in a consecrated way and sometimes it's not. I think another interesting comparison there as well is that one of the reasons that God asks us to consecrate all that we have is because he's given us all that we have, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's really all God's and he's just asking for some of it back to help his work and to help his people, right? And I think you can make a comparison there with Katniss's situation where the rebellion Uh, has gotten her out of the games right they've rescued her and without the rebellion like what else is she gonna go do you know (laughs) like she's just stuck living in a capital run world and now i mean she can't she doesn't have the option to just run away and disappear in the woods like she did before like Mm -hmm. snow won't let that happen right like Mm -hmm. she lives in a capital run world and so the rebellion is the only direction that she can take to receive everything and so it's almost and we do this all the time where i mean even just with paying tithing it's so hard to pay that 10 percent, even though like in my heart and soul i know that god is the reason i've been blessed with all of the finances that i do have right Mm -hmm. and uh and for her she's struggling being willing to play this part to be a piece in their game even though like they're the reason she's in it and they're the only hope that she has to win it right Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of an interesting comparison there where like she we can understand that difficulty of it being difficult of it being so hard to give things up that aren't actually ours that's a good point and very true so after this great reflective scene we end up having her go back to district 13 and just get a feel for how it is there and one of the first things we see there is Peta shows up on an interview with caesar flickerman which is so sad um he looks fine relatively and he's basically telling them to have a ceasefire everybody's like oh traitor like how dare he say that and they decide it's probably because he made some sort of deal or it's probably to protect Katniss more than even himself because that's just who Peta is what he does. <laughs> and love sacrifice still showing up here but he yeah he calls for a ceasefire and so this makes Katniss think well what's gonna happen to Peta even if we do win because everybody thinks he's a traitor and he could be executed he could have something terrible happen to him and so could the other 
other um, victors that are being held by the capital. And so she ends up deciding to be the Mockingjay, but she does make some conditions. And I think this is one of the moments where earlier I mentioned some quotes about her kind of being like, no, you know what, I need to do this because I need to give everything to this revolution for it to succeed. And she actually talks to Prim and says, Prim says, are you doing it because you feel forced to? Or are you doing it because you want to? And Katniss is like, both, I guess. But then she's like, no, I need to do it. I want to do it because this rebellion needs to win. It needs to be successful. And so we see a bit of that selflessness. But then, yeah, she starts making demands on District 13, which, frankly, she has every right to do. It's not necessarily (laughs) wrong. But it does show less of a perfect consecration because she's kind of doing it for these other reasons that are a little more personal. She's wanting her sister to keep her cat. And she's wanting to give a reprieve to Peta and the other victors. And so there's still a level of consecration that's lacking because it's not just for the revolution anymore it's also to protect her loved ones which you could also give the argument though that she's consecrated to her family yeah and then that's another argument but i would say she is consecrated to a good cause yeah. in general yeah i love that it's still all out of love all mm-hmm. of her demands yeah. none of them are like really actually selfish Mm -hmm. there's like a level of selfishness because she cares about these people but like the cat that is wholly unselfish Mm -hmm. right she hates the cat yeah and um and then with the she says like Peta and jo jo joanna johan i don't know how you say joanna joanna and then she includes inabaria and she's like i don't even really like inabaria but like you know she's a victor and the capital has her so like that can't be good right mm-hmm. yes <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. so there's like there's definitely like a level of love and selflessness to those demands as well but i will say with it before we move forward there's this great definition of consecration that is given by elder bednar in 1999 to byu idaho in a talk he says the word consecrate means to develop and dedicate to the sacred to a sacred purpose sacrifice is what i will offer surrender yield or give up consecration on the other hand is to fully develop and dedicate to a sacred purpose our pledge is i will give me and all that i can become and i will live for the gospel of jesus christ Mm. which is a very deep dedication which i think katniss just doesn't quite meet at least when it comes to the revolution she's not quite to the point of being like no i'm giving everything i am to this i'm developing this solely for this cause it's more of a like I'm developing this i mean it will help the cause and i want to do that but also i want to save people the people i love personally like personal friends and family so it's just she's very interesting in the way that she has that consecration and is like i said she has moments where she's really dedicated to the cause and other moments where she's still just thinking about survival I almost wonder here, yes. though. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. Um, I'm trying to, I'm like seeking the deep, you know, every yeah. parable falls mm-hmm. apart eventually, but I'm That's like, true. how far can we push this mm-hmm. metaphor? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a, a huge blessing in my life, right? And I love it. And mm-hmm. I want to be the person who dedicates myself and everything that I am and have to it. However, it's not necessarily eternal, right? Mm -hmm. The church itself. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just a means to an end, ultimately, Mm -hmm. right? 
Um, we're okay with, we're okay yes. with that. Yes. Um, so the ultimate goal is salvation and exaltation mm-hmm. for anyone who yeah. can reach that, right? And the church is how we accomplish that. So we're asked to give everything that we are to the church in order to build that kingdom so that people can be exalted. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> is working to save people and developing herself. She develops into an amazing soldier. She develops into a strong and fierce face of the rebellion for the sake of the rebellion so that she can save herself and others mm-hmm. theoretically i don't think she mm-hmm. actually wants to save herself but that's beside the point yes, especially as time um, goes on yeah yeah <laughs> but do you see what i'm saying yeah. like mm-hmm. i don't know maybe she's more consecrated maybe it's not taking away from her consecration the fact that she has the goal of saving so many people because mm-hmm. it also turns into bigger than just her family right she throws herself in front of the soldier from district two mm. in order to, to save, save everyone because mm-hmm. she's just watching these people die in this mountain exploding and she's horrified by it like she wants to save as many people on both sides as possible mm-hmm. so yeah, that, that's my that's my yeah. food for thought yeah, like, like that. <laughs> yeah that's a good point and even as i've been talking i'm like I don't know. You can just twist it in different ways. For which sure. Is, for sure. Which is why the gospel is great because yeah. it's much simpler. Yes. <laughs> and it's all God. <laughs> so yeah. that helps. But yes. But yeah. That's a good so the rebellion point. can that's kind of, really it's like a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Like the staying in rebellion isn't the goal, right? Yeah. The goal is to mm-hmm. use the rebellion to save people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there you um. go. <laughs> Yeah, love that. So I guess moving on, I don't yes. really know a good way to transition. That's fine. That was just phenomenal commentary. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, well, anyway, phenomenal. back into the plot. Um, so, yes, so we see this. She decides to be the Mockingjay, makes this deal. We next see that for some reason, the District 13 decided to imprison her team and not treat them very well, her prep team. Um, which is awful. I this scene is it's, not in the movies, and I was like, "Oh really? Oh my gosh, what the heck?" <laughs> I was I feel shook. Like they deserve and that. so, yeah, it was it was really sad because I yeah. love how Katniss treats it. She's like, you know, she's learned in previous books, and we've talked about it, where she's like, "They're just as much victims as we are. They're just kept in a different kind of ignorance, yeah. but they're also suffering yeah. from all of this, and they don't understand." And it's interesting because she's like, I bet Coin thought she was doing me a favor because these people are have been putting her up to be slaughtered. Like, it's been like a weird experience for sure. But like, they are just basically like children. Like, they're just not capable of under... Well, they are capable, but they just don't understand. They're not in a position to understand. And so to Katniss, she's like, no. Whereas Gail is like, why do you care? Like, what the heck? And she's like... Because they're still people, and, like, they're actually really good people. They just don't understand. It's easy when you see violence on a screen, and it's happening to someone else to separate it from you. Especially if you're seeing it a lot from the time you're little. Right, just being raised that this is how the world works. Like, most of us would be... I love that she thinks about that fact, that she's like, 
I would be walking around talking in the capital accent and yes. about uh-huh. boas and fashion. You Caring know? about seemingly shallow things. Yeah. Like, yeah. She can recognize that if she had been raised in the different conditions, she would be exactly the same, which is true of most of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a, it's a good moment for her, for sure. So then we end up going into, she's starting to film some propaganda, and it starts off with deciding to try to have her act, which does not go well at all, to say the least. Um, as we know, Katniss is not an actress. Honestly, I think she's probably done decent enough, but in this case, it's just really not working. They give her lines of inspiration and record it, and she just is really stiff and not does not do well. And they discuss, Haymitch discusses with a group of people, like, what has she done that actually moved you? And it all had to do with things she just chose to do. Things like choosing Rue as an ally, or making PETA... Drugging him to (laughs) drugging PETA, Yeah, (laughs) drugging PETA in order to go get the medicine for him. Things like that. Things that just show her heart. And so they decide to throw her into combat. But before that... This whole experience shows several moments of seeing how consecrated she's becoming, that Mm. she's developing these skills and talents and abilities that she's been able to gain through the games and pointing them in a new direction that will work towards what they're working towards. At one point, she is getting all makeuped out for the original failed footage (laughs) that they do of her acting. And she makes the comment, I do not know who this person is, as she's looking at herself in the mirror. And so, like, she's literally giving herself up and giving everything she is in order to make this possible. Mm, Um, But in some ways, which I thought was really powerful, but in some ways it's not consecration quite yet because she's, it's more sacrifice because she's sacrificing who she is to become something else. But then she furthers that when they decide to throw her into combat. First of all, uh, Coin says, and if you're killed and she says, make sure you get some footage. (laughs) So Katniss says, yes, make sure Katniss you get some says, footage. <laughs> yes, make sure. It's in the movie, she line. says, make sure you get it on camera, which I think flows better in my mouth. So that's why I'm going to yeah. say that. But anyway, um, and it's just great. Just shows that level of sacrifice. Um, but then a little bit later, she's looking in the mirror after she gets all the makeup off, makeup off in order to go to District 8. She says she has this armband that's covering the scar where Joanna had cut out her tracker at the end of the last games. And she says, I ripped the armband off, revealing the ugly scar from the tracker. There, that looks like me too. And so she is now really giving herself, like she's willing to show off this nasty scar and recognize that that's part of who she is now. And she's giving that as motivation, something to look to for the rebellion, which I think was really interesting seeing that transition of like, it's all consecration and sacrifice, but it's just kind of different levels of both throughout that she's kind of switching back and forth between based on what's being asked of her, which I don't know. I just had never thought of like sacrifice and consecration being both needed and sometimes you do do them at the same time but sometimes you may need to lean into more one than the other yeah no i love that you brought up that distinction here at the beginning because that's like a really i think a really vital nuance that i at least have never actually thought about you know Mm -hmm. consecration for me has always just been like oh yeah 
like giving whatever I have, but I haven't thought of it in terms of developing and growing to help and aid and Mm -hmm. give, you know, and not necessarily sacrificing as much as there's a level of sacrifice involved, I guess, but Mm -hmm. it's almost, like I said, you kind of do both at the same time a lot of the time because you you know you sacrifice your time and talent you sacrifice your time in order to dedicate your talents right or you sacrifice usually sacrifice is a little more physical a Mm -hmm. lot of the time but anyway yeah it's but it it kind of opens up room for a little bit more selfishness Mm -hmm. or you know hopefully not intentional selfishness, yes. but mm-hmm. just inherent. Because if I have a talent for something that I enjoy doing and that I love, then it kind of gives room to give my time to doing something that I love and appreciate and learn and grow personally mm-hmm. and become better for myself mm-hmm. to be able to aid a cause that's also important to yeah. me, you know? And that's just, it makes it a really, really cool principle because sacrifice, I think, toughens us up and does a lot for us. And consecrate, consecration is almost like God giving us the the space to kind of do what we want a little bit as long as we can use that to further mm-hmm. his purposes. And as, as long well. as that's our purpose behind us. Yes. It, yeah. Like the consecration is like, yeah, <laughs> your intention is focused outward, but yes. it is, it is an internal self development, Yeah. but it's for the purpose of outward needs of other people. Right. So it's very interesting. Yeah. It's really, really, it makes me just makes my appreciation for consecration grow a little yeah. bit. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's something that's definitely looked down on especially by people outside of the church it's like i've never thought of it in like such a positive and helpful and like exciting light before (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is exciting because then you realize that it's the process of becoming like everything you are is dedicated to god like you are dedicated to god and so everything you do it's developing and growing as a person to become more like god um, and but it can be in every aspect way. of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fact that he can help me, you know, he can help my writing be better. He can help my, like, my hobbies, you know? Yeah. Like, he's mm-hmm. there helping my hobbies improve because I can use them for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So good. It's cool. Okay. It's cool. So I great. love that. I love God. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> Um, anyway, (laughs) so yeah, again, these transitions back to the plot. Um, so district eight, they end up flying her out there so that she can get a little bit more frontline action. Um, they don't intend for her to actually fight, but they want to have her there with people. And so we have this great scene where she goes to the makeshift hospital they've made there and everybody is just so excited to see her. And it's so beautiful because she is having a trauma moment in this hospital, PTSD severely. Like she's kind of blacked out a little bit and she talks about like everything goes blurry and she feels like she's going to throw up and it's a mix of the grossness, but it's definitely a level of like she's having a trauma episode that's really hitting her, but she's like fighting through it in order to give these people a good view of her and help her to feel better and feel or helping her helping them to feel better and allowing them to 
feel her support despite the fact that she's literally in the middle of a trauma episode (laughs) doing this having ptsd severely right now and i just think it's beautiful to see her do that and it made me very emotional (laughs) to say the least so during this though she has this they end up having capital bombers coming in and they target the hospital and bomb it and unfortunately they are successful even though Katniss does shoot some Katniss and Gale both shoot some of the hovercraft out of the sky but it's too late and nobody makes it out of this hospital alive like it's over and she gives her very empowering speech um I feel like I have to read parts of it because it's like such a main thing within this story (laughs) we'll just read through the whole thing It's not very long. I want to tell the rebels that I am alive, that I'm right here in District 8, where the Capitol had just bombed a hospital full of unarmed men, women, and children. There will be no survivors. I want to tell people that if you think for one second the Capitol will treat us fairly, if there's a ceasefire, you're deluding yourself, because you know who they are and what they do. This is what they do, and we must fight back. President Snow says he's sending us a message while I have one for him. You can torture us and bomb us and burn our districts to the ground. But do you see that? And she points at the hovercraft that she burnt it, uh, knocked down. Fire is catching. And if we burn, you burn with us. Guys, I didn't cry reading that. Wow. <laughs> Good for her. Um, anyway, but it's this very um, important moment where they have their first real po- propaganda footage from this interaction that they start promoting everywhere and it really i love in the film it actually shows some things happening in the districts with this propaganda where they end up like blowing up peacekeepers and like things are happening and it's really really well done to to show the impact of what she's doing and saying and i really really love that they added that into the film then we end up having a couple more interviews with Peta, um interviews two and three so the second one katniss and finnick see it together but nobody else mentions it because they're all worried about freaking her out and whatnot. And finally, she gets mad at Gail for not bringing it up. And yeah, it's been a little bit of a blow up in their friendship. It actually leads to Gail working with Beatty on some plans for potential weapons and things, strategies to help win the war. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is pretty in the realm of war crimes, of doing things that hurt citizens as well as soldiers and that are, they basically have this plan to set up a bomb and then give it enough time to have people run in, help the wounded, and then have another bomb go off so even more people die. And Katniss is just not having that, of course, because that's just not her thing. She wants to save people. To go back to the hospital really fast, um, one of the things that I love you, I mean, you pointed out beautifully, like, you know, how amazing it is that she is showing, that she goes through what she does for those people during this trauma episode. And um, one of the things that I would say in regards to consecration for that is that it's really cool that it's kind of simultaneously for the rebellion and for the people, right? Mm, she goes yeah. into this hospital. She all we all know that Katniss hates blood and and wounds and and hospitals, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she goes in knowing that she needs this footage for the rebellion, and then she just cares so much about these strangers and these people. She has such an intense love 
a natural love for everyone, which I think she wouldn't normally attribute to herself, but she does. (laughs) That she, yeah, so it's like kind of what we were talking about with like both causes, you know, that the organization and like individual exaltation, like she's very much engaged in both of them in this moment. And then it's just very, I think just as you were, I hadn't thought about it before, but as you were talking about it, it felt just so Christ-like to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought of when uh, John the Baptist dies and he leaves to be alone and then the people follow him and he stops his apostles from sending them away and blesses them, right? And it's obviously a different situation, but it's it's this time of difficulty for him, but he chooses to push through his own pain and sorrow to bless others and I think that's exactly what she's doing in this moment and and it's just it's a very awesome type of Christ in this moment and she's amazing (laughs) yeah that's great thank you for pulling me back and telling me to stop talking for a second um no I needed that I knew that you're fine um so (laughs) we get to so Fast forwarding again, we get to the third interview with Peta, and in this one, I mean, he looks awful, Mm. and they know that something horrible is happening to him, but in it, they end up showing some of the propaganda of her walking around District 12, the ruins, I guess, of District 12, and singing, and in it, he ends up forcing himself to say, all of you in 13, you're all going to die by morning, and then we see it cut out, and... Katniss points out that you see his blood on the floor as they start the guards start hitting Peta in this footage and then it goes away and everybody's like what the heck what do we do with this like what does that mean and they're like no that was Peta giving us a warning like he was trying to tell us that they're they have a planned attack on 13 and so they get this drill going everybody goes downstairs into the shelters and then there's a little scare with Prim of course she had to go back and get her cat and (laughs) Gail makes sure that she comes down and they're all safe in this bunker for a few days and this is where Katniss really starts to realize that they're using Peta as a method of torturing her that for a while she thought oh they're torturing him for information they're torturing him because he might know something whereas she wasn't realizing that Snow was using PETA against Katniss and that everything PETA's going through it's in order to be a weapon that's used against Katniss kind of literally we learn soon but like in that moment she's just thinking just by nature yeah yeah. so it really throws her off and she's not able to do the propaganda footage and stuff because she's just too much in her own head now she's very focused on PETA and the fact that he's suffering literally just because of her instead of just generally suffering because of the situation. And and so I think this is where she loses a little bit of her consecration because she's starting to turn attention. It's it's a little bit like she's just forgetting the bigger picture yeah, basically. For sure. She's her purpose is not focused outwards in any way shape or form beyond PETA it's really sad to see first of all because she's just heartbroken but they do this does lead the authorities of 13 to decide to save PETA and so they go and do it um it's it was so interesting reading this because in the movies this whole scene is so much more dramatic 
Hmm. And I don't know why. I think they changed it because it's like the very end of the first part, like that movie. And so they were trying to, you know, have more of a climax in the movie. But in in the book, it's very like the mission is happening. We wait around and then the mission is done. done. (laughs) But in the book, in the film, we have... Finnick does, like, the overt, like, distraction by himself. Katniss isn't a part of that at first. But then they get cut off and, like, the communication with the people on the ship gets cut off. And they're like, oh, no. And Katniss is like, broadcast me. Maybe if Snow's watching, he'll let me in. And so she gets on and she actually talks to President Snow. He talks to her. And one of his lines that's so great, and I was super shocked it wasn't in the book, because in the movie, it's so um, impactful. He says, Miss Everdeen, it's the things we love most that destroy us. And then he says, I want you to remember that I said that. And then he's like, don't you know, I know, don't you think I know that your friends are in the tribute center? And so they're like, wait, what? He knows? And then they're cut off. They can't get in contact. And then all of a sudden they show up and they're like, what? What the heck? And Gail's like, all of their weapons were back on and were right on us and we flew straight past them. So you really get the sense something's wrong. But mm-hmm. it's not until she walks up to PETA and then PETA attacks her that you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. So I feel like it builds suspense a little bit more in some ways mm-hmm. that way. But And like I said, I really like that line. And it's in the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes trailer as well. Like it has actually just the recording from D- Donald Sutherland in it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so I was like, wow, this is a lot less dramatic <laughs> in yeah. the book. But yeah, I mean, it's Finnick stressful really just in and of the real itself, drama but, in yeah. the book. Mm-hmm. Learning, it's a moment where For you sure. learn about Finnick. Yeah, and, and the other Victor is what they've been going through. Right, yes. Um, a lot of them. And so, yeah, that yeah, Finnick's been sold sure. as a sex slave, basically, yeah. as a Victor, and that a lot of the other Victors are too. It's really, yeah, it's really yeah, sad. It and so, yeah, and but, you la- learn a little bit more about Haymitch yeah. uh, and what happened after his games where he kind of spits in the face of the capital a little bit and then you and learn that he, he has everybody he loves die yeah gets killed and that's when the capital learned oh we can't do that because then we don't have any leverage right but he's an example still so people can be like oh look he did lose everybody so then all the other victors are like just going to keep doing what they're supposed to be doing because they don't want to be like Hamish. right even though the capital probably wouldn't do it at that point right yeah. it's probably why they don't do it to Katniss because mm-hmm. then they recognize that if, she, leverage, if her family yeah. is gone then she'll do whatever mm-hmm. she wants after that yeah. yeah but it's really I one of the things that I love about what we're talking about here is one of the things that makes Katniss such a real character and it's the fact that Snow can get inside of her head Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Snow does something, and it's almost frustrating as a reader. You're like, like, okay, so move on and win the war so yeah. that, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you so can, this can stop. So it can end. Can, yeah. yeah, you're like, get over yourself mm-hmm. and move on. But she just, she's so scared of him um, mm-hmm. and the power that he has and what he can do that he can get inside of her head, and it shuts her down. It yeah. really does mm-hmm. shut her down. And it's a really, really fascinating flaw to have in the face of your rebellion. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not not normally how that works. And I just, 
I just think it's so, so interesting that she's the only one who can fulfill the role that she has. And so they just kind of have to work through these major weaknesses of hers that, that stop her from being able to, to consecrate, to give herself, to focus in any way on what matters, on that eternal perspective, on that bigger picture. Which, yeah, you're right, is so true to us. Like, we, yeah. <laughs> we get distracted and we get focused on things that like, we Satan could gets fix. In my head. <laughs> yeah, that would be best fixed if we just trust God yeah. and keep going in that direction. Yeah. But we feel like we need to fix things ourselves or we feel, like, upset that it's not being fixed immediately or whatever and, yeah, lose track of the long-term goals that we should have. Mm-hmm. This episode has been divided into two parts. You have reached the end of part one. Part two will be released the following Thursday. We hope you enjoyed the first half of our discussion. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at God in All Things Podcast. Additionally, if you are interested in seeing what Tori is currently reading, head over to her YouTube channel, Good Strong Words. Thank you again for listening. We hope you are having a wonderful day. Keep remembering to see God in all things, and we will see you next time. Bye!